Clifford Stoll, author of The Cuckoo's Egg, an investigative look into the hacking of the Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory that led to the capture of hacker Marcus Hess, famously said, Treat your password like your toothbrush, don't let anyone else use it, and get a new one every six months. The paper, How Effective is Multi-Factor Authentication or MFA at Deterring Cyber Attacks, concludes that implementing MFA leads to a 99.22% reduction in the risk of compromise across the entire population and a 98.56% reduction even in cases where credentials have been leaked. Now, to be clear, MFAs can be hacked. Roger Grimes, defense evangelist at No Before, published a 41-page ebook in which he details over 12 ways to hack MFA, but that's for another podcast. In this podcast for future CISO, we revisit the continuing evolution in password use and the potential influence of artificial intelligence on both sides of the identity protection fence. Andrew Shikar, Executive Director with Fido Alliance, joins us once again to walk us through the key findings in the online authentication barometer by Fido Alliance and what it means to us, to users in Asia. Andrew, welcome back to Podchats for Future CISO. Alan, thank you so much for having me. Now, Fido was founded in 2012. 12 years on, why are organizations and users still relying on passwords as we know it to access systems and data? So that's a good question. In fact, that is is the question. Uh, Why are passwords still around? It's interesting. We've been using passwords now for 60 years. But think about how many technologies you use in your daily life that haven't fundamentally changed in 60 years. The only one I could think of is my my range, you know, when I bake or cook something in the oven. Um, but certainly not anything that's you know as vital to my daily life as user authentication. So it's an outdated technology, but we've known for around 30 years now that passwords are insufficient. And that's when we started seeing credential-based attacks take off. And that's and ever since then, we've been looking at different ways to supplement passwords. Um, and so we've supplemented passwords with added layers or added factors you talked about. So any any form of two-factor authentication is better than a password alone. Um, but that being said, not all forms of 2FA are created equal. And we're seeing more and more um, MFA bypass attacks happen at higher scale to consumers and workforces alike. And so what we really need to look at is what is the answer here, right? The answer ultimately is to, instead of adding additional layers of knowledge-based credentials on top of a fundamentally flawed knowledge-based credential, we need to find a way to replace that primary layer in its entirety. This is also not a new realization. What what has changed is that we now have technologies finally coming into place, support in devices at massive scale, along with the ongoing and growing imperative to replace passwords all at the same time, the point where I, I do think that we are on the cusp of you know, being able to truly start to put, put passwords in the rearview mirror in the very near future. Now, to answer their question a little bit more head on, why are people still relying on passwords to access systems and data? You know, passwords have a huge advantage. They have a few huge advantages. That really comes down to a couple of things though. One is incumbents, right? As I mentioned, passwords have been around for over 60 years. Anyone who's been on the internet has used a password. Everyone knows how to use a password. In fact, you can use a password just about anywhere. It's not very fun to enter a password, say in a smart TV or a keyboardless device, but you can do that, right? So that has the advantage of ubiquity. So it's incumbents and ubiquity that have kept passwords around. And we, when we look at our efforts here at Fido Alliance, we should figure out, well, what can we do to counter those advantages to make sure that using pass keys is every bit as easy and, and simple and enjoyable or more enjoyable than using a password. Okay, we'll get back to that word pass key uh, that we covered also earlier on. But for the moment, you mentioned about technologies. Now, one of the 
most prevalent, if not popular, technology topic for the last year or so has been generative AI. If we focus on this particular technology, generative AI, how has it reshaped the cybersecurity landscape, particularly when it comes to identity access management? Yeah, it's a very timely question. You know, you know we're coming up on the one year anniversary of ChatGPT being released you know, to, to the public. So it's been quite a year for AI. Um, and, you know, AI in of itself is not new. Machine learning is not new. There have been predictive analytics for years and, you know, you could build models and, and there's you know, freely available open source toolkits for you know, ML engines that have been, you know, people have been using for quite some time. You know, what is new is the way that there's been, you know, the algorithms have become more powerful and more readily available to more people. And AI driven applications have, have certainly you know, change the way that everything, we all do business on a daily basis. In the realm of cybersecurity and identity access management, I, I think it's, you know, impacted a couple of things. One, uh, there's certainly ways to use AI to try to, you know, detect attacks more, right? So, uh, you know, more advanced anomaly detectors and things like that, threat detectors, that's one way of using AI uh, for good. But I think what hits a little closer to, you know, FIDO's mission um, is people using AI for bad, right? So you think about you know, that the primary attack vector for most breaches are passwords. And m most times, most of those attacks are led through social engineering. So phishing or other spoofing uh, mechanisms that fool a user into handing over their credentials or signing into a fake website. Um, with generative AI, these attacks are going to grow and they are growing both in volume and in sophistication. So whereas today you can pretty much spot, you know, a lot of the Kind of widespread phishing attacks, you know, through bad language, sloppy, you know, design, you know, things like that. With generative AI and, and toolkits that are out there, there's toolkits called like Evil GPT. <laughs> That's rather readily available for people to, to use and download that are created for nefarious purposes. And they will spit out, you know, language and phishing attacks and vishing and, and, and fake video attacks that will seem so realistic that it's virtually impossible for a person to detect. So I think that is one way that, you know, generative AI is reshaping the cybersecurity landscape. And all that does is it grows the imperative to stop relying on knowledge-based credentials because it become harder and harder for, say, an employee to discern a fake message from a real one. And it's not fair, frankly, for a CISO to ask their employees to, you know, also serve as a shadow IT team you know, trying to find, uh, in, you know, incoming phishing attacks, right? So if you put the right tools in their hands, they shouldn't need to worry about that. They can focus on their day job instead. With Gen AI becoming more mainstream as we mature on the technology side, how can passwordless authentication methods like passkeys, for example, help protect against AI-driven cyber attacks, which from what you're saying, it's almost impossible now to even detect whether somebody trying to access something is the right person or not, the authorized person or not? Yeah, I think the key thing you know, in the FIDO approach, we use a technology called you know, asymmetric public key cryptography, which is a mouthful and earful. You shouldn't need to be able to say it or let alone know what it means to use it, which is kind of the beauty of FIDO. It's, it's you know, brain dead easy to leverage this technology. But the way it works runs the complete opposite of how we use passwords today. So with passwords, there's a, a secret on the server and then a secret in the, the mind or the, the fingertips of, of, the, of the user. And that user then needs to enter that password into the server granted access. The problem with that is that anyone can have the same remote access as that user, right? So they could either, you know, steal a user's password and enter it. They can pretend to be that website and have the user enter the real password into that site. It's all set up for remote attacks, right? There's nothing inherent to being, in, you know, in, on, you know, on-site in person to using passwords. With FIDO authentication and public key cryptography, it's possession-based in nature where the user must authenticate locally to their device to activate the virtual key pair, if you will, where the, the private key, the valuable key is local on that user's device and the public key 
rather than a, a password sits on a server. And there's no way to you know, replicate either one of these keys. And so the, the only way time. to take over someone's account or take over someone's credentials is to physically be in possession of their device. And yeah, that could certainly happen, right? I could come, you know, force you into using your biometric to log into something, but that's not a scalable remote attack, right? Yeah. It should actually be that hard to take over someone's account. What possession-based passwordless authentication does is it stops remote attacks. And those are the ones that are causing so much damage those are the scalable attacks that can dupe someone into handing over their credentials. Conversely, if you try to get someone, so say you're fooled for a phishing attack, but say you're using FIDO for two-factor authentication, even if you're duped into giving up your, your primary credential, if you're still using a password as a primary credential, if you're using, say, a FIDO security key as a second factor, when it comes time to you know, touch that to verify your possession, possession, the, the key pair doesn't match. Right? So even if you are duped, you cannot actually sign in to a fake account. You can't sign into a phishing site, which means you can't hand over those credentials to the remote attacker. So it's that possession-based nature of high authentication and, and most passwordless techniques that allows, that, that safely prevents you know, remote attacks, AI-driven attacks. Well, I just want to delineate one very important thing. I said before, the MFA is bypassable. It's very important to understand how your MFA works. And any MFA that is passing a human-readable secret over the network is susceptible to being bypassed. That includes common techniques like SMS OTP, TOTP apps, even push, you know, which is triggered by a human human reaction. You know, it needs to be something where it's you know fully encrypted local communication to prevent AI driven remote attacks. Fair enough. But then what you're saying is that many of the MFA approaches that uh, financial institutions, for example, use today are vulnerable to being hijacked or fished. Why are these organizations still continuing to do the same practice? Even though I'm sure they're the leaders in those organizations are aware that, oh, our practice, our approach to securing our customers' access to their accounts can actually be spoofed or hacked. I mean, look, it's, it's, it comes down to technology, ubiquity, and, and incumbents again. Like SMS OTP has very similar advantages to passwords, right? You could send an SMS to an, any sort of phone and someone can get it and, and, and respond back. And look, you have delivery issues and things like that, but it's, it's a known way of doing two-factor authentication. Now, that being said, you know, service providers and banks are looking to move away from that as rapidly as they can for a couple of reasons. One, it's fallible. Like we saw this in, in, in Singapore um, in, in, I think, 2021, 2022, I think it's OCBC. You know, their customers were getting, you know, SMS, they're getting smashed, right? Their SMS codes were, were being picked off by hackers and they're losing money in their accounts, right? So we saw this at scale in Singapore. And so it's important to move away from SMS A because it's fallible. And also, you know, another disadvantage of SMS OTP is it's expensive for the service provider. Like every message you send out costs money, right? So if you have a more secure, more cost-effective means of protecting your customers, that's certainly going to, you know, draw a lot of attention, a lot of a lot of interest, which is what we're seeing already with with passkeys. Do you anticipate that with the greater use of AI, organizations will need to figure out how do I address any form of authentication, whether we decide to use, perhaps even including passkeys, that give me a greater certainty that I will be protected? Yeah, I think people, you know, more and more average consumers are becoming aware of, of AI for good and for bad. And so they will start, you know, hearing about, you know, AI-driven attacks, you know, deep fakes, things like that. And so I think 
I think those concepts will start creeping into the mainstream consumer vernacular and they'll be more cautious when signing into systems and services. So I think, yes, if consumers will demand authentication approaches that are, you know, have lower friction and higher security. You know, I, I do think in 2024, we're going to start seeing an increase in highly publicized AI generated attacks at scale. And I'll take a couple of those. To, and I, th- I do think that will hit the mainstream and we'll, and those will probably you know, if, if fanned by the media, uh, will generate a fair amount of fear. And so it's really important that, you know, CISOs and service providers are aware of this so that they're prepared to figure out how to message to their customers. Hey, look, we are, we have your back. We're, we're taking care of you. And we have, um, you know, fully secure mechanisms for you to sign into things, including, you know, things like passkeys, which are, you know, created by the industry for the world to use at large. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about passkeys and the way this stuff's been developed with Fido Alliance is that virtually every technology company that has a stake in the future of the internet is involved in, in collaborating in creating this approach, right? So you have fierce competitors like Apple and Google and Microsoft and Samsung, um, Intel and Qualcomm, groups like that, along with regulatory bodies, you know, Government agencies are weighing in on this as well and getting involved in this effort and endorsing the effort and supporting it. You know, when you have that wide an array of stakeholders all marching to the same beat, um, I think it really helps instill confidence in the solution that they are touting. Do you anticipate that regardless of how AI evolves, the use of passkeys in its evolving form will stay ahead of the the evolution of AI itself so that passkeys will always remain ahead of the, the threat? Because that's the problem with the, a lot of these control measures that we have. We almost seem to be on the defensive side yeah. every time. We need a way to circumvent this position where we're always on the defensive side. Alan, I think I mean, you hit that nail on the head here. So I think we've always been, it's always been a, a whack-a-mole game or cat and mouse game with the, with attackers. Like I, 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 I add this layer of authentication on top of passwords and they they find a way to get, you know, get around it. Uh, and that, that's what I was talking about before. We need to change the entire paradigm of how users authenticate. Instead of adding layers on top of a fundamentally flawed foundation of passwords, let's reduce, let's re- uh, replace that foundation of something that is unfishable in nature. Um, so look, passkeys and FIDO is not the, there's not a silver bullet to all, all AI attacks, but it, what it will stop are AI credential attacks, right? Where, the, where their goal is to strip a credential out of a user's possession through social engineering or other other methods, passkeys will prevent that. And I'm never going to say never, right? Um, and when you look at the combination of AI and post-quantum computing, you know, a couple of years down the road, that's a very scary scenario. Right when when you can actually decrypt you know, a lot of the the current um, algorithms that that you know we all, including Fido Lines, depend upon. Right, but, but that's a couple of years down the road. And by the way, we're looking at exactly how to handle that situation when it emerges by you know up, you know finding a way to have pluggable algorithms. Um, but in the immediate future, I w- I'm I'm quite confident that AI driven credential attacks will not overtake the ability to protect yourself with passkeys. Speaking of the current form in the year and now in 2024, it's just around the corner. What can we expect as regards to how organizations secure access to data and systems? And from the perspective of our, our readers here listening in on this podcast, what can we expect from the FIDO Alliance in terms of what it will continue to do as far as getting the message out there and getting uh, users really committed to the, using the technology? Yeah, those are super questions. I, I think as consumers, look, we're all consumers at the end of the day. Um, I think more and more of our services will offer us the option of using a passkey. And so Google's already enabled this for every every Google account user. If listeners don't have a passkey yet associated with a Google account, 
You can go to g.co slash passkeys and figure out how to add a passkey to your Google account. And by the way, once you've done that, if you use Google social sign-in, that same passkey, you know, you can use your, your, your biometric sign-in for anything where you're using Google social sign-in, right? So it eliminates all those passwords you know, out, out of the gate. Likewise, we'll see more and more leading services and, and, and government services, you know, support passkeys as well, right? So I know GovTech, for example, is, has talked publicly about their intent to integrate passkeys for uh, SingPass. And, and we, we saw the Australian government do the same thing for Australian government services. We've seen Air New Zealand enable passkeys for Air New Zealand customers. And so the list goes on, right? So it's not just, you know, large American or multinational companies. There's a lot of, you know, regional leads who are adopting passkeys in Singapore and throughout Southeast Asia and Asia Pacific as well. So I think you'll see more of that. That's one takeaway. What is Fido Alliance going to do? You know, we're laser focused on enabling service providers and enterprises to be successful with their passkey implementations. So we're really pivoting into a, a focus on enablement. Uh, so we're working on, you know, creating and, and, and establishing a set of passkey resources that will allow any stakeholder and organization to understand, you know, A, what is a passkey? Why I should be using them? How do I deploy them? How do I measure success? And then, you know, how do I manage, you know, the, what's the lifecycle management for passkeys thereafter? Right, so that we understand how important it is for us to help companies be successful with their passkey implementations, building upon the work we did this year in creating UX guidelines for passkeys. And again, the interest there is helping companies be successful in introducing passkeys to consumers for the simpler reason being that you only get so many cracks at consumer. Right, so if a consumer has a lousy experience with a passkey the first time around, the odds of them trying a, a passkey from the next service provider go down. Right, so it's critical that we help companies be successful in introducing passkeys to consumers, which is why we're so focused on these enablement services. One last question, if I may add. For the CIO and CISO, uh, many of them are going through this cycle of modernizing their applications, their systems, many of them moving in cloud, some bringing them back from the cloud, but so operating in a multi-cloud hybrid kind of environment. How should they be asking their vendors, the solution providers, whether it's a SaaS application or an on-prem mm -hmm. application that they're trying to purchase and acquire or integrate into their system to ensure that they have some form of authentication or, or validation process that's, if it's not already using Passkey, something that will drive them towards the use of Passkey. What's the advice for CISOs and CIOs? Yes, this is one of my, my soapbox kind of passion points is cloud service providers authentication. And I think anyone who's outsourcing core, core functions, core data to a third-party service provider has the right, and in fact, has the obligation to require that cloud service provider to be supporting multi-factor authentication, you know, starting with their admins and anyone who's touching my data, right? I, so I would encourage people to put that in their service level agreement and their service agreement to mandate that these CSPs have multi-factor authentication. Because we've seen over the past couple of years, a lot of these CSPs get popped by hackers, right? Yeah. So... This happened to Twilio. This happened to a couple other companies where the hacker went in and, and you know, very savvy hacker went in and targeted the admins of a cloud service provider and didn't just break into the cloud service provider system, but also their customer system. And their customers have customers of their own, right? So the ripple effect of these CSPs not using best practices for user authentication, starting with their admin and very sensitive employees is, is beyond obscene to me, frankly. Um, so I, I would encourage CISOs and CIOs and CEOs, like this is a C-suite issue, right? This should not just be the remit of a CISO. The poor CISO is, is overburdened with, with expectations and demand. Like the CEO needs to be stepping up to, to support their CISO, right? They need to be stepping up to support their CISO. And, and likewise, they should be going to these CSPs and, and, you know, requiring that they support MFA. But inside their company, as a CISO says, hey, look, boss, I want to roll out, you know, FIDO security keys or pass keys to 
all of our employees, the CEO should be the one championing this, right? They should be championing a culture of security, culture of cybersecurity, because good cybersecurity is good business. And a good CEO will have a CISO's back to help make that happen. Andrew, thank you for joining us on Podcast for Future CISO. Alan, thank you so much. That was Andrew Shikier, Executive Director, Fido Alliance, on the topic of the future state of passwordless authentication. You are listening in the podcast for future CISO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editorsatsociety.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcasts for Future CISO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CISO. Bye for now. Music.